Welcome to Access Control, a podcast providing practical security advice for startups, advice from people who've been there. Each episode, we'll interview a leader in their field and less best practices and practical tips for securing your org. For today's episode, I'll be talking to Dylan Stamet, CTO of Vertical Change. Vertical Change is a simple data systems application for the social sector. Dylan is a seasoned technologist and startup founder with 10 years experience building and growing businesses. Vertical Change was an early adopter of running HIPAA-related workloads on AWS back in the early days of 2012. Hi, Dylan. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, man. Great to be here. To kick things off, can you tell me a little bit more about your background and the early days of software development in Santa Barbara? Yeah, um, Santa Barbara has kind of a rich history in software engineering and and startups. Um, It was kind of the original Silicon Beach, actually, before... I think Santa Monica took that away from from it at some point. Uh, but you had a lot of people coming out of uh, UCSB that were uh, in electrical engineering, material sciences, and computer science. A lot of a lot of big like research projects coming out of there, then turning into startups. Vertical Change was founded in 2012. Can you tell me about the problem it tried to solve? A few of us started Vertical Change. We were working at a consultancy for years and years together, um, and we wanted to do something a little bit more impactful. And we know a lot of people that work in like the social sector that were still using paper files and organizing their uh, the, the agency's data um, on paper and in books. And so we wanted to see if we can come in and, and help digitize that in a kind of a new modern modern way. And what is defined as the social sector? People aren't familiar with it. Yeah. So the social sector is let's say mental health agencies, homelessness shelters, uh, agencies that provide services for the public. Um, We work with, uh, let's say, early childhood development with the cities, um, work with uh, San Francisco and San Diego, for example. Either small um, small agencies or really large, large agencies with uh, thousands of uh, employees. What is the offering that Vertical Change offers for these agencies? Yeah, so we are... Uh, I like to describe it, it's kind of a complicated product, but I like to describe it as, you know, part CRM. So the agencies can manage their um, their clients. Um, and then also it's a report builder. So you can kind of collect analytics on all the data in the system. And then it's a form builder. You're able to generate, you know, dynamic forms like a Survey Monkey or a Qualtrics. Um, so it's kind of like a combination of Salesforce plus Qualtrics um, and then an analytics platform on top of it. And I guess the thing that makes vertical change different is around compliance and HIPAA, you know, which we have a focus in for this episode. Can you tell me what makes it different for using vertical change instead of these sort of other solutions? Yeah. So, you know, there all these regulations like HIPAA, um, you know, high trust, um, FERPA, they are very strict and they kind of come with a lot of controls you need to put in place as an agency to, to meet these, to meet the controls. It's hard for agencies to do. If you're a, let's say, a five-person agency that deals with mental health, you know, you need to make sure that all your files are properly stored. You need to make sure you retain your files for a certain amount of time. You need to have really articulate offboarding and onboarding processes for your employees because it's such a, you know, uh, you know, highly sensitive information. And and those are really hard to kind of number one do in general, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's digital or you know, or, or paper-based. And so I know HIPAA, I looked the acronym up, it stands for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. 
could you tell me a bit more about what exactly HIPAA means as a startup dealing with healthcare data? Yeah, so HIPAA in general is a bunch of uh, security and privacy rules to protect um, individuals' um, health information. That's why you're, you know you, you you go to the doctor's office and um, oftentimes you know there would be a a, a check-in form with a, a bunch of people who have been there before and um, the leaking of that information can lead to a lot of security concerns and privacy concerns and the ability to and that comes with a bunch of um, technical constraints too storing that data there's a bunch of HIPAA um, laws around how you store digital data. And that's also with the high tech and high trust. It goes up the scope of compliance, right? And then you start looking at you know, uh, laws in terms of the government with you've got the NIST uh, compliance and CMMC. So this is a compliance level and uh, it's a, a healthcare specific and it's, um, it's complicated. <laughs> it's in 2012, uh, AWS was about six years old, which Sounds quite old, but it still wasn't that mature. Can you tell me about why you picked AWS at that point over more traditional options, such as having bare metal servers and controlling them yourselves? Yeah, we came from a consultancy that worked with Amazon for quite a while. And I myself had been working with AWS um, since it was in alpha. So I was really comfortable um, with their with the, with the cloud. It, it did bring some challenges um, in terms of HIPAA, though. When, you know, back in 2012, Amazon actually wasn't signing business associate agreements with customers, and that is a an agreement that you that as a covered entity in in HIPAA that when you work with business partners and and you share sensitive data, it's kind of a downstream effect of you sign these agreements, and so you can kind of create this web of trust of you know, your data is safe, and so Amazon wasn't actually signing those, so we were one of the first companies to, to, to eventually sign a BAA with, with AWS. And does that fit into their shared responsibility model? Oh gosh. Yeah. It, it was definitely, definitely left a lot to, uh, for the implementers. So, you know, what we had to do is we had to, let's say, uh, encrypt our own disks with a certain encryption algorithm. Um, EBS at the time wasn't doing disk encryption. We, had to do a lot of things on the um, networking side that wasn't um, really, you know, set up a nap, mach- nap machine and do a bunch of uh, kind of strict policies there. So there was probably a laundry list of things that we had to do that were hard and were not very easy. And Amazon, Amazon at the time didn't make it very um, turnkey because that wasn't their focus. But but nowadays it would have been much easier to yeah and you can go onto uh, a certain page on AWS and it lists all the services that are covered by HIPAA. Um, you know you click buttons here to enable encryption everywhere. You know back then we had to actually run on um, dedicated instances as well, and those were extremely expensive to to run, um, especially as a startup. With fast forward twenty twenty one, you sort of touched on it. It's much easier now to run HIPAA workloads on AWS. Are there any sort of features that you leverage now that make your life much easier? Uh, yeah, I mean, we use encryption everywhere that comes out of the box from AWS. Uh, you know, each of our customers, we generate uh, encryption keys for them using uh, the key management service. And, uh, you know, we have, you know, we want to use cloud HSM, which is the dedicated hardware at some point as well. You know, their, their, their tools around um, kind of the networking side is very easy to... You know, S3, you can store stuff there and have it encrypted 
using these keys. And Amazon provides a lot of resources as well, where you can go and you can say, okay, am I doing this properly? Um, are my machines up to date, you know, using AWS systems manager. So yeah, the, the, uh, the services uh, that Amazon provides have gotten so confusing <laughs> and there's so many of them, but you know, when you know which ones to use and you handpick the right ones, it actually ends up being a pretty, a pretty nice uh, situation. Yeah. So if you were to build vertical change from scratch, would you still stay with Amazon or would you look at other cloud providers? Uh, I would still stay with Amazon. Yeah. And you eventually want to get into the government uh, sector. So we were, we're going to aim for GovCloud at some point. And have you investigated GovClouds at all? Or still early on in the... Yeah, we've investigated. We make sure that all the services we use are compatible uh, with GovCloud. So when we do eventually go down that compliance path, um, it'll be a very easy transition over. Yes, yeah, so you want to make sure that you're not using something that isn't available. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to rewrite yeah. the application, basically. <laughs> exactly. So do you have any tips for other companies who are either thinking about having a healthcare startup or sort of pivoting to the healthcare domain as far as possibly like architecting or hosting their application? Yeah, I would say, you know, make sure where wherever you are hosting your application on the technical side that you kind of go through a list of um, items that wherever that might be, you know, if Amazon has a bunch of resources, GCP has a bunch of resources, you know, specifically for HIPAA um, and, and running on the, on the cloud. If you're going bare metal, then you're going to go and you're going to, you know, there's some more antiquated documents that you'll start to look at. But I think one of the you know main things when you're creating a startup right now in the healthcare space is that you have somebody that understands HIPAA, even if it's from a high level, and is willing to put the time in to write all the policies and procedures that need to be put in place to really meet these uh, security and privacy rules. Um, and it's a really time-consuming process. So, you know, very similar to going through like a SOC 2 type 1, it's, you know, you have your business continuity plan in place. Um, use this type of encryption. What are our password policies? Um, it's really an ongoing process. You know, a lot of these are things that you want to practice as well. So, you know, annually you'll do this, or quarterly you'll do this, um, um, and, and, and keeping all your employees aware of what HIPAA is, even if it's at a high level, and doing security trainings and stuff like that. So, it's a lot of a lot of personnel stuff. Yeah. You kind of touched on it, but is there sort of defined steps that are required to become HIPAA compliant? Or is it a case of your, does HIPAA go through an auditive review or is it sort of just up down to your own paperwork and policies? It's up to your own paperwork and policies. There is no governing board that will say, hey, you're HIPAA compliant and stamp, stamp, your, <laughs> stamp your company. So it's different than, let's say, a SOC 2 type 1 where you have accredited uh, compliance. So that is a little bit odd and a little fuzzy and there's a lot of people online trying to figure out you know what this rule means so it could be really confusing um, and it's a lot of times to you know using your best judgment and and then when you don't know about something look for that little rule and try to decipher it and, and and find some documents about it but there's a lot of things that you kind of need to put in place um, or else you can get into a lot of trouble you know if someone were to report you as having a HIPAA violation you know, you will get in a lot of trouble and you will get fined uh, a lot of money. Yeah. You know, let's say you, there's rules where, let's say, a certain amount of your customer's data was was leaked, then you have to do a formal request to um, the Office of uh, Civil Rights and Department of Health and Human Services. Um, so there's a bunch of steps you need to take 
when reporting and, and you want to make sure you have those in order and, and the procedures in place. So if that does happen, you don't get caught not reporting you yourself in time and then getting in a lot more trouble. A slightly different take, you know, lots of our past episodes, we talk about like security incidents and people trying to run like crypto miners on devices and yeah, that's kind of the issue, kicking people out. Yeah. But I have seen recently, actually, the ransomware has had two prongs. One is they will encrypt your disk. But the second one is they will also say they have the data and they're going to leak it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I and yeah, people, you know, people are paying the ransoms in a lot of cases. And in a lot of cases, it makes sense to because, uh, you know, they might not have a response to that technically or from the business point of view. And and unfortunately, it's led to some instances, I think it was in Germany recently, where somebody was rerouting ambulances um, and there were some deaths involved. So it can be yeah. can be pretty bad. Yeah, I saw also in Ireland too, the um, Irish Health Service also had a pretty right. bad ransomware attack too. And I think that was another case in which they were going to leak um, patient information. When the leak comes, it's pretty bad for not only the company, but potentially the you know, people's information that's getting leaked. Yeah, yeah, it's really scary. And, and there's a page, I think it's in DHA, on DHH or the ongoing list of HIPAA violations. So it shows uh, line by line what company, um, you know, most recent and what the what the fee was. And and, and some of these fees are huge. Um, and often the, the entities that are getting these violations are colleges or, <laughs> you know, uh, hospitals. And so it's, yeah, or small agencies, you know, that, you might be you know, working with the homeless and then all of a sudden to get hit by this huge HIPAA fine because the agency didn't know is really, uh, it's really bad and it's really uh, sucks for them. And that's why it's kind of important just to have, I think as a startup, just to keep everybody in the loop and, and, and always reiterate the importance of HIPAA. <clears throat> and then also as a company, which we're, we're trying to do is really kind of be privacy and security first. So any kind of customer that we work with, we figure out, we're, we're, we're signing BAAs with them. So we kind of figure out, you know, hey, what are you guys doing on your end, um, you know, for HIPAA? You know, how do you do this? What do you do? And, and really kind of sharing information and, um, you know, being really allies with our customers and because nobody wants to get in trouble um, and everybody wants to keep growing in security and privacy. You're also one of the first teleport users on the podcast. Oh, cool. And I'm sort of interested about how you heard about Teleport and how sort of how it changed your workflow and whether it helped you on this sort of HIPAA compliance journey. Yeah, so we had our you know original V1 architecture that we started way back in the day. I um, mean, we I think about a year and a half ago migrated to a new infrastructure. The new infrastructure is just kind of completely different than the old, and now we're running on you know Kubernetes for uh, you know all our applications. A lot more service oriented. Well, and then we use uh, Auth0 as a for identity management and authorization and authentication. Um, and so we wanted to, from the kind of top of the stack to the bottom of the stack, you know, make sure that we have really detailed audit logs for anything that happens from any employee or any end user. From a combination of you know using CloudTrail, um, using Auth0 logs, using Teleport logs. Uh, we're able to create a pretty cool, you know, log flow and, and see what people are doing within the application. You know, if if uh, you know a medication changed um, that they were tracking in our application you know, six months ago, we want to know who changed it um, and have all the details around that. Yeah. Um, so teleports really helped, kind of from 
from the uh, that side of the auditing side, but also the access side of being able to, in a role-based manner, provide access to different parts of our infrastructure to different types of employees. And do you use it for Kubernetes access as well? If anyone needs to get, you know, use cutoff for any sort of debugging? Yep. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So all the engineers and yeah. The last guest we talked about like log aggregation. What do you use to collect all of these logs and sort of run analysis on what's happening? Yeah, we use uh, Elasticsearch and Kibana. We also use uh, S3 and uh, Athena. Um, and the logs, there's a lot of logs. <laughs> so, so, you know, you know, uh, back in the day, I think, you know, you'd run a, a application. If you're just a normal like SaaS startup, you'd, you know, you'd have your logs and you'd, you know, You'd only keep them for a little bit of time, but with, you know, having to do the HIPAA, HIPAA laws and, and, and trying to, you know, really keep a, a trail um, throughout the stack, especially when you add Kubernetes in, which creates a lot of, a lot of logs uh, from standard out. Um, you know, we've got a huge um, Elasticsearch cluster now, you know, way bigger than a normal company would have. And do you have a certain policy for how long you plan to keep them or archive them? Yeah, we generally keep um, logs for seven years. Um, I believe that's the number of seven years um, as one of the HIPAA privacy uh, privacy rules. Um, so seven years, um, but contractually, customers can change that um, on a case-by-case basis if they need to. Um, what other applications? Do you have any other recommendations for what startups could use? Um I mean, if you're, you know, on the database side, I would highly recommend RDS or anything that you don't have to, that does encryption and arrest by default is kind of out of your way. That saved us so many, so much time um, just managing, managing that. Well, I'm guessing, do you shard per customer or you have a database per customer as well? Or like more isolation? Um, Yeah, it's, it was, we originally started and we were doing isolation in a couple different ways. Um, We Still, we don't shard per customer, but what we do is we use we use row level um, security in Postgres, um, which is pretty cool because you're allowed to basically take your own um, encryption keys and make sure that only this agency can touch this the data in this table and by by yeah. row level. And it's it's really nice to be able to do that versus using let's say a separate schema per customer because doing any type of analysis. Um, where you need to look across customers is going to be extremely hard um, when you're doing different schemas. And so um, having everything kind of be in one data set, but using real level security uh, is, is, is a pretty amazing thing to be able to do. So what keeps you up at night? What is your biggest security concern do you currently have? Oh man, there's a lot of them. (laughs) How do you know it kept me up at night? Um, A lot of the things uh, that I I deal with is, um, I think of some of the infrastructure part is accessibility to data. So it's like the, what the, the CIA uh, triad is uh, confidentiality, uh, integrity, and availability. And so that's kind of the uh, three pillars of data security. And uh, availability is a huge one. Um, you know, we're running Kubernetes, which is great. It, it's a fast-moving project, and things come up, and we want to make sure that data is available to our customers at all times. And, um, you know, we have... A lot of cases where that's really important, for instance, and uh, I always use the case of mental health, you know, if a uh, agency gets a call from a suicidal customer uh, or client that, uh, you know, they need to be able to look that data up uh, about that client as soon as possible. And prior to being digital, they'd run over to a filing cabinet 
look look under the letter of their last name, pull that up. And so we we want to be faster than that, right? You're inside a computer anyways, so let's just um, quickly find it. But if it's not there or you're having some downtime, that's, you know, kind of a life and death situation. You know, that's kind of around availability. As far as like other security concerns with other team members, do you do anything for phishing training or sort of how do you get your like employees sort of trained on these sort of other controls that you have as part of your HIPAA workflow? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, we do kind of annual security reviews. Um, and then anybody that onboards, we use, um, uh, Wiser, W-I-Z-E-R tech. Um, they do a great video series of just general security. Um, and then also, uh, HIPAA, they cover HIPAA and then have a little phishing tool so you can, um, fish your employees, which is pretty fun. Uh, I have a lot of a lot of fun with that, and then um, a lot of a lot of little uh, emails that go out just as reminders to employees, and and then on the annual reviews, we use uh, PagerDuty has a great um, security review for their employees um, and their engineers, kind of split into to two camps. Um, and so, if you ever want an employee security uh, PDA or kind of slideshow to go through, it's about an hour long look for pager duties and it's it's amazing it's funny kind of covers every single topic you can think of um as we're sort of closing out here for anyone who is you know starting the same journey as yourself you kind of like went from a technology field into healthcare startup because you wanted to be more impactful for other people on that journey what would be your advice to them um i would just be really aware of hipaa and what the whole healthcare ecosystem and, and how companies uh, that are in it um, act. And then also I would go and, you know, maybe as a first step, do a SOC 2 type one and just see what's involved in that process. Um, and you'll realize how far you have to go into documentations and policies and procedures um, and just how nuanced it is. Um, and so that's kind of your your it will be your first, um, and it also gets your business in a nice a nice place. So you know, SOC two type one um, yeah. really covers um, kind of it 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 makes your company very attractive in terms of um, how how put together you have your um, you have your kind of your ducks in a row. And type one is self validated. Um, well, type one you actually have to get a third party to uh, validate it, um, and then type two is kind of an annual one you'll do, which is a lot less. Um, it's kind of your annual update of it. Um, so you, you do the, the first one, then you then you do little updates afterwards. Um, and and then also, you know, I think the other the other piece of advice would be to yeah, just your every employee that you have really just ingrain security as part of your company's uh, ethos. You know, security, security, security. Um, you know, you can have anybody call up and, you know, do social engineering against your employees if you provide um, phone support or email support. Um, don't email around documents that have uh, PII or PHI and just really basic stuff that um, you just don't, most people wouldn't think of in any of their jobs, even if it was a software company that they worked at before, they might be so accustomed to doing certain things, certain ways, um, and they just need to really change yeah, change the way they do things. You know, you can't just share a Word document with another customer that has a PHI in it. You need to do a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more involved steps to make sure that data is secure. 
So I think to kind of like boil it down is for anyone who's getting into this realm, it's sort of like into finance, but you always have your taxes. There's always a lot more always. paperwork and admin to do. Um, but lots of fun, interesting technology challenges for people who I guess really need it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, every day I'm working and I'm like, okay, cool. This is actually really helping our customers. And uh, so it's, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good feeling that you're helping out. Well, thank you, Dylan, for your time today. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. This podcast was created by Teleport. Teleport allows engineers and security professionals to unified access for SSH servers, Kubernetes clusters, web applications, and databases across all environments. To learn more, visit us at goteleport.com.